every second Tuesday of the month, we invite an industry leader uh, to share the space with them. We do it for two reasons. One is because we want to celebrate them as a person for their achievement. And secondly, we call them because we want to know more about their industry and how it impacts you. And we call that feature Meet the Boss. And tonight we meet Craig. I should have asked you how to pronounce <laughs> your surname. Is it Gradich? Uh, spot on, Gradich. Ah, <laughs> Craig Gradich is co-founder of Gradich Mahura Investments. Uh, he holds a B, uh, this CFP, I think I'm a certified financial planner. Is that what it is? That's right. <laughs> He's a certified financial planner. He holds a BCom honors with majors in corporate finance and investment management and a postgraduate diploma in financial planning from the University of Free State. Completed his MBA at the UCT Graduate School of Business and has 21 years of financial services experience. No lightweight, this man. And has worked at Price Forbes. Profile Media, Fed Show, and Old Mutual. He's got it all. He's in studio. He's our guest between now and 9 p.m. officially. Good evening to you, Craig. Uh, good evening, brother. And, uh, and he was here at 7 o'clock. <laughs> he's been here forever. Yes. And we couldn't give him a beer or something while he was waiting, but he's been generous <laughs> with his time. We truly appreciate it. No, you're welcome. It's good to be here. You know, I uh, went through varsity listening to, to Metro FM yes. in the evenings. You know, shall goes trucking. Yeah, and, yeah. Nobody know, can imitate that voice. Money, no, yes. Nobody can can, can do what <laughs> uh, treasure, uh, what treasure, treasure used to do. We could never. Yeah, we all right. we all grew up listening to those voices and the grands. So, so so very good for me to be to be here. Yes, you know, uh, we truly appreciate. I, I've walked it. a journey with Metro. Yeah. yeah. So well, let's talk about your journey. Where does it all begin? Where, where does Craig come from? Where was he born? Yeah, so, so Craig was born in, in Durban, yeah. uh, Addington Hospital, uh, kind of late 1973. Uh-huh. And uh, interesting time in the country, interesting time in, you know, uh, to be uh, a non-white South African. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I grew up in, in Durban um, in a little colored area called uh, Newlands East. Newlands, yeah. Yeah, so... That's that's where I, I earned a lot of these stripes that uh, that you can't really see under yeah. the shirt. <laughs> um, went to school in Hillview and then you know uh, decided at a fairly young age that I needed to you know spread my wings. So when I finished vars- uh, finished school, I went to varsity at Bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of partly because I'd gotten a scholarship to go to Bits, uh, so I'd applied and I'd gotten in at all the universities. Uh, but the one that came with the invoice already settled was was, <laughs> was Vitz, yeah, yeah. So so that's me. Uh, Newlands uh, is a tough place. It's a good place. Yeah. Uh, you learn about community. You learn about the importance of of knowing your neighbours. Yeah. Um, still have very good friends from that that part of the world. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, three brothers. Uh, unfortunately, my my dad passed away when I was five years old. Sorry, so, mate. So that was, you know, what made, uh, you know, gave, gave, gave me, I don't know, um, a, a learning or an opportunity to, or not an opportunity, it kind of forced me to grow up very quickly. So I think I had my first job at the age of eight as a paper boy. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I was one of the youngest paper boys. The criteria was you had to, you know, the guy that owned that particular block. Yeah. You gave us a few numbers, and whoever answered first, we, you, you know, got the most right. Because back then you were delivering papers, you had to know how much to collect, yeah. how much change to give, and I got them all right, and I was first. And so I it, got the it job. explains why you ended up studying this kind of stuff you studied. So, so that's yeah. So mathematics and numbers yeah. is something that I enjoy. As you grow up in Newlands and and Devon in general, who are, who what is, it, what is inspiring you as a young boy, as a teenager? What are you seeing around you? What are the things that you're yeah. thinking about and planning about? Yeah, you know, I always say I, n- I never had to look too far for inspiration uh, because, you know, my mother was a young single lady, uh, or widower, widow, uh, 28 years old, mm. three boys, um, one six, one five, and one four months old. And... You know, like South Africa in the late 70s, early 80s wasn't a place for a single colored mother. Yeah. Um, I remember the one day she she needed to, to go and collect the grant 
you know, because that's what she lived off. Yes. And um, she put me on her back. She put my brother in the pram and my older brother. Had to, and we walked about 10 k's. And and I, it's an it's an enduring kind of episode in my life in that, you know, she she knew she had no option, but she had to do this. And, you know, that that kind of, you know, whenever I feel like, hey, you know, things are a bit tough, you know, when when I play that episode back, it just uh, it gives me that extra, you know. But also it gives you perspective. Gives you perspective. That, that here I am thinking things are tough. Exactly. And my mom, a yeah. single mother, a widow, yeah. had to do that with three young boys. With three young boys, me complaining that my In shoes apartheid were South Africa. Exactly. Yeah. And look, back then her, her skill was knitting. And, you know, she made beautiful jerseys and people took them and they didn't always pay for them. She didn't have a husband to defend, uh, you know, and go and collect uh, yeah. cash for her. But then, um, you know, it struck me a few years later, it's Durban. Yeah, it gets hot very quickly. You yeah. don't need jerseys. For, <laughs> but, but somehow she managed to do that and pull us through, you know. Yeah. So we, we, we got, I got by in very little. Um, and so I, I, I felt a lot of those lessons you know, kind of through the rest of my life. Yes. And even in starting GMI and all of that. Because I had to be entrepreneurial as a youngster mm. because pocket money was a foreign concept to me. Whatever, if I wanted something, I had to go and earn the money yeah. to go and buy it. So you got involved in, in mommy's enterprise also. You had to collect, you had to go deliver, you had to... Yeah, no, so, but if I wanted anything, I, I would have to either go and pick mangoes and go and sell it to the old ladies or I would have to do my paper rounds and you know, do it very good and, you know, hopefully yeah. get tips. Um, and, you know, I did a couple of jobs. I remember doing Mrs. Peter's garden. She was the only neighbor in our area that had a garden. Um, and I had to go and volunteer to go work there every now and again. Um, and she was the only one that paid. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and then washing cars, all of those things. Yeah. Um, that I think a, a lot of the youngsters of today kind of, you know... Miss and don't really like mm. they, they, they glue to their phones and things like that, but uh, to to work and get paid, you know, I think it it gives you dignity, it gives you a freedom, and it just as you build on that over over the years, and you learn to scale, and you learn, you know, yeah, um, it, it was good, it was good, it and then you like get the you, you get uprooted from. Yeah, at, at the time uh, Natal, it was not KwaZulu Natal. Yes, and you come to PWV <laughs> or whatever it was. You know, it was Transvaal. Yes, you come to Witwatersrand. Rent. Yes, had you been here before you came to Vets? Was it your first time coming to Johannesburg? What so, was the experience? Uh, yeah, like? so I'd, I'd been just for an interview. Yeah, for the bursary, and um, I remember even even that interview, I wore my matric dance uh, outfit. <laughs> To, to come there and um so so the the big city did kind of overwhelm me initially mm -hmm. but um eventually uh, i you, you kind of learn you know this is my territory and then slowly expand yes and get used to so Witz, Bramfontein, newtown yeah yulbrow yulbrow was still a melting pot back yes then. yes still a good place to go to and and then went to a church called um Ooh, I'm going to get nailed for this. You're probably not going to heaven. She's pastor. I was going to nail me. In. Um, so I went to church uh, at the bottom of Hillbrow. Yeah. Um, geez, I'm giving my age away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not it's forgetting okay. details it's okay. like this. And um, Central Community Fellowship. Yes. And met, met the most wonderful people there. And they helped me settle down. So I actually was initially at my cousin's place. Um, uh, in Bears Valley. Yes. A and pretty much walking everywhere. So walking from Bears Valley to, to your Bear Park where the church yeah. was and then walking from Witz there to the church. And So I, I kind of gotten to know Johannesburg by walking it flat mm. initially. Uh, as a 19-year-old male, it's, you know, it was, it was good for me. Um, it was a, a bit intimidating at first. Uh, but you, you, this place grows on you. It's got, it's got it an does. energy. It's it got does. An energy, yeah. Our guest on Meet the Boss, Craig Gradich, uh, co-founder of Gradich Mahura Investment. Uh, he's 
currently telling us his own personal story. We're gonna get to other stuff shortly. You finish your your first degree, your your BCom. Uh, you do become honors, so you 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 did up to honors. You didn't break it. Uh, yeah, so I did uh, my undergrad at Wits, and yeah. then you know I needed to start working so I could earn money yeah. and start supporting. Uh, and then uh, so I went to UNISA for the honors. For the okay, okay. Yeah. When do you then go corporate? And where does it start? So I went corporate immediately from from graduating. Uh, Price Forbes had picked up the tab after. Yeah. So I'd given up accounting during uh, VITS and yeah. took up insurance and investments and corporate finance instead. And uh, Price Forbes said they'll they'll pick up the tab for third year and final year. And uh, so I went to work there. Uh, but I always wanted to get into investments yeah. from pretty much early on. And yeah, it... Um, at Price Forbes, I was doing short-term insurance, which I wasn't terribly excited by. Mm-hmm. And after about two years, I, I left after my contract was up. And I joined Profile Media, which is a company that publishes the Stock Exchange Handbook and the Unitrust Handbook. Mm-hmm. So my job was head of research for the Unitrust Handbook. And basically, I got to research every single Unitrust fund in the country for the next two years, which gave me a fairly deep insight into this, um, which is now a fairly dominant financial product. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's over two trillion rands worth of assets invested in unit trust funds. Two trillion? Two two trillion. So so I got to, to understand the industry, I got to understand the market, I got to understand quite a bit while I was at Profile Media. And after a while, look at, I, I felt that I, I gained all this knowledge, but I needed to go and apply it. And that's when uh, FedShow came knocking, asked me if I wanted to take on a role as um, kind of a regional manager on, uh, you know, one of the, uh, I think it was Pretoria and the West Rand. Yeah. That was that region. So I was there for about six months when I got promoted down to the coast. So, so actually, so since you left Newlands, yeah. never looked back? Uh, never looked speaking. back. Yeah, yeah I stayed. Um, couldn't, you know, um, didn't go back. Stayed. Uh, you know, girlfriends, friends, all of that. Yeah, mom. Uh, and no, but that was the reason I stayed. Mum was still in Durban. <laughs> yeah. And mum was like, hey, when you're coming back. Um, so, yeah. the, um, the de- And the jobs were here. Yeah. In, in our industry. So, I decided, you know, look, uh, I'll stay. And, yeah. Price Forbes, Profile, FedShore. And, like I say, six months at FedShore, I got a promotion down to the Western Cape. To Cape Town. Yeah. And then a month later, um, I was uh, part of, like a whole lot of people were entrenched when um, Investec took over FedShow. Yeah. So I found myself in the Western Cape pretty much sitting and looking at the mountain. Uh, and yeah, my, my ego was deflated. We also that built up, you know, I'd, I'd gotten to know the industry. I was one of only two people that ever had that job as head of research at yeah. the Unitrust Handbook. Uh, so I had a fairly good kind of position in the market and I was promoted after six months and mm. yeah, I am getting retrenched. And, you know, for it was a personal, it felt like failure at the time. Um, but with the benefit of hindsight, probably the best thing that happened to me, career-wise. Amazing, eh? Yeah. Sometimes we think this is the end. It's probably the beginning of the beginning, not even the beginning itself. Yeah, you know, uh, your previous guest was throwing all these cliches earlier. You know, they say when you're going through hell, just yeah, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And But actually, in the end, it, it, I, I questioned myself, you know, was was this where I wanted to be? Uh, what, what else did I need to do? Yeah. And I did a lot of reading, walked up the mountain a few times, and things like that. Uh, drank a bit of red wine every now and again. Uh, it's, it's as you it's, do, it's, you know, as you do in the Western Cape. What else do you do there? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the, it was um, 
It was. It ended up being, like I say, with the benefit of hindsight, a good time. In that, I got to discover me a bit better. Got to understand myself a bit better. How long was this layoff before the next move? It was three months. Okay. Uh, when good time to really reflect. A good time to reflect, but when you, you know, when you're 27 years old, yeah. you qualified, you did well at varsity, you were growing, you were getting promoted, and now, boom, yeah, boom, you you've been retrenched. Um, yeah, it 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 causes you to, you know, that can either make or break you, and I'm fortunate that it didn't break me. And then next move. Then uh, I got approached by All Mutual. Um, asked me to take up a similar role, but back in Johannesburg. Yeah. Um, they had an underperforming area that wasn't, well, that was underperforming, and um, they asked me to come and turn it around and see if I could turn it around. And, yeah, I, that's pretty much what I did. I turned it around, so I took it from being an underperforming region to being the best-performing region mm. in the country for the next four years that I was there. And... Um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was a bit uncomfortable because I had to look after um, Pumalanga. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots of Afrikaans dorpies. Yes. Um, lots of Afrikaans-speaking people that I had to deal with, white Afrikaners. Yeah. Um, who I You're a Devon boy, you speak English. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that, that for me was a complete, you know, this was out of my comfort zones on a number of levels. Yes. It was an area I didn't know. It was a language I didn't know. It was people I hadn't really interacted with. Um, but there's a lesson there. I mean, the, I mean about how how you can you can deal with uncomfortable spaces. There's growth there. Yeah. So you learn that very quickly that these are people like you. And w- what I realize is that, you know, very quickly is that if I came there, did my job and kept my word and I followed up and I was consistent, um, then you get the respect. Yes. The, they look beyond these surface issues like your race and your language. Mm-hmm. So you add value and people will, you know, they want to talk to you. And I must say, I, I've I found lifelong friends there. By the, t- by the th- third year that I was there, whenever I went to, say, Ermelo, for example, I, you know, they got very upset with me if I slept at the hotel. Yeah. I had to either go to Willie's place or Johan's place. And you were the only person who called it Ermelo because it's Ermelo. Ermelo. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they call it Ermelo. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, so, you know, I had to go stay there. And yeah. whenever I was there in the area, there was a braai and it would be like, Ten everybody from the team was there, and I got to learn Afrikaans music um, <laughs> or appreciate some of it now in my playlists. Um, so there's growth, yes. you know, you grow, and and you learn that people are people. Then yeah. Okay. So we're gonna take a break. We come back and we then move to this space where you meet one Kahisho Mahura, and you guys decide to do something stupid and start your own business. Yeah. You know that risk that I never understand why we do this to ourselves, but. You're going to talk to us about it. We'll come back just now and speak more to Craig. Cool. So before I steal the show to myself, 089-110-3377 is the number to dial to join in this conversation with our guest, Craig Gredich, co-founder of Gredich Mahura Investments. He's our guest on Meet the Boss. We are also on Twitter at Rams by the Horns and Facebook is Metro FM Talk with Rams. Craig when did the bug bite? When did you feel at some point, I've done it all for everyone. I've slept enough in Ermelo. Mm. I know everybody <laughs> I need to know. It's time to do my own thing. So, so very quickly, uh, after the the kind of the gig with um, the Pumalanga and the Val Triangle and all those areas, I then got promoted to head of marketing at, at All Mutual Unit Trust. Yeah. And reported to uh, Ralph Mopita uh, back then, 2005. Mm. And um, that year, All Mutual had uh, Unit Trust had one of its best years ever. You know, we just completely smashed all our targets, and it it was you know fairly good times. But we we worked hard, strong black leadership, and achieving results. Yes. And um, 
uh, after a while, about seven, after about seven years, you know, I've been at Old Mutual a bit long, let me leave. And I went, went somewhere else and I just walked into a toxic boss and I decided, you know, at that point, um, it, I, this wasn't for me. Yeah. But it just so happened that I was working for this company and I went down to Cape Town on business, funny enough, to Old Mutual. And while I was sitting, I was there a bit early, while I was sitting in the canteen, uh, waiting for my meeting to start, um, Kahisho Mawura walks past. Yeah. And Kahisho, when I was kind of the top salesperson, he was head of marketing. And we were just 10 minutes before I saw Kahisho, I'd read the business day. Yeah. There was an article about MTN Asonge. And what struck me in that article was that this fantastic deal that had been presented to black South Africans, only 81,000 people took up the opportunity. Mm, mm. And that's why I want to talk about that yeah. when we get to the issues about investments. Yeah. yeah and, and that was, so I looked at that and I thought, geez, because I personally had applied yeah. for the maximum number of shares. It's a fantastic deal, a two year for effectively a 42% discount. And that completely removed the risk from the investment. And so my expectation was that a lot more people would participate. Yes. So while I was excited about the fact that I had gotten my full allocation, there was this thing in my mind saying, but so many people have missed out. You know, so even if 1% of people who qualified to buy those shares had participated, you know, that number would have been 500,000, mm. not 80,000. So I was thinking about that and Kahisha walked past and Kahisha read the same article that morning and had the same questions. He had participated in his personal capacity and, you know, he was um, also wondering now, why is it that he's uh, applying for the maximum number of shares but uh, his friends and his family are not. Mm. So we were talking and he said, yeah, what is the problem? We had both read a statistic about three months before that, which said that the average financial advisor in South Africa was 52, uh, 52 years old, white, male, and Afrikaans speaking. And, and, and that, that we felt was part of the problem because a 52-year-old white male would not talk to you about MTN Asonge. Yes. Chances are he'd be quite bitter that there was an MTN Asonge there. Mm. Mm. Um, like they are at Sasol, the, the other guys. E exactly. Yeah. So, but then the market was moving because the growth was happening in that the black middle class, the, there was this emerging black consumer and investor that was coming, but they were not getting the right advice. So I think some were there by fluke, others were there because they were told to be there, um, but people were not getting the right advice. And, and so Kahish and I said, listen, Yemen, what are we going to do about this? What can we do? And we knew that where we were, we couldn't do anything. Mm. So while I was working where I was working and he was back at All Mutual, um, we could not tackle this problem, mm -hmm. this issue. So we decided that we would continue talking. And pretty much a month later, he resigned from his job. Because one of the license conditions was that you had you had to work under supervision uh, of another experienced and licensed financial planner before you yourself could could get a license. Mm. And so Garisha said, "Now he's going to go and do that." I was kind of waiting for my sign-on bonus to vest <laughs> this side, yeah, so I could get my bonus and leave. So I said to him, "Look, um, I'm waiting for this money. It's coming in four months' time." Uh, so he said, no, don't worry, he's going, he, he, he's not waiting for anything. He went and he worked under supervision. And we were fortunate to have uh, Mr. Sam Macheke, um, uh, an advisor based in the West Rand, yeah. who agreed to, to help Kahisha and uh, have him under supervision. And so Kahisha went under supervision. Uh, I waited, uh, got my, my sign-on bonus and duly left. Um, and but in, in between, I had started the MBA at UCT. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, we applied for our license with the Financial Services Board. And yeah, uh, it was sometime in January 2008. Uh, Kakisha knocked on my door uh, with his bags. He had driven up from Cape Town. And he's like, Redditch, let's do this. And that was it. And that was it. Um, so yeah, for, look, I wasn't married at the time. So <laughs> and I had a two bedroom flat. Yeah. So he stayed in the the other bedroom. Uh, I kept the main bedroom for myself. <laughs> um, and yeah, we we started working our business plan from January two thousand and eight. And that was the genesis of Credit. And that yeah, that Mahura. was the genesis of Credit Mohura Investments. Well, like I tell you what, uh, I have a, it's only suspicion because on the line there's a person called Kahisho. I can only suspect that it can it it must be Kahisho Mahura. Good evening, Kahisho. Good evening, Rand. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? No, I'm very good, thank you. Are, are you the culprit that that made this man uh, move out of the comfort of a salary to start a business with you? Uh but that guy was ready boy before I was. <laughs> 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 I think you know he's actually right. We were more or less sitting in the same space. And I think that's very much what brought us together. We there was always a discomfort with status quo between the two of us. And I think that's why we we ended up. What's our fate made us land up with each other as it did? Mm. Um, I mm. I want to ask you this question, uh, Kahisho, as his business partner, because if I asked him, he won't tell me. What is the one outstanding personality trait or characteristic of Craig's that that is the most attractive to you? That makes you want to work with this guy again and again and again. Look, I, I can tell you a few. I think that one that 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 stands out very clearly is, is is Craig's work ethic. I think that's the one thing I don't think either one of, either of us has ever thought about is about not pulling your weight in the business. Mm. I think that if you're going to go into business with somebody, that's, his, that's, that's a big one. And I think Craig and I share that at a very deep level. I think in another one, and, and, and I'm saying this because it's it's so fresh in my mind because Craig and I are mentoring young guys that are starting, starting their business. And one of the things they ask me all the time is, how did you guys last for 10 years? Mm. And I tell them there's a couple of things that worked which I think are very good uh, for Craig and I. One was the work ethic, and the other one was integrity. I think it's there's a very clear, simple trust and respect between us because I think you're dealing with a man of integrity, and that I think is one of the things that holds the, the partnership together. Wow. Wow, Ralph. I, I, uh, I, I see him speak about you, and, and I, he's got this flame on his face about you and i can pick it up from your voice speaking about him and i can only wish you guys all the best in your business and thank you so much for calling us i i know you value your your, your partnership yes indeed no thanks man. It's only a pleasure. Hey, now again there's a name you mentioned in our conversation a ralph and there's a ralph on the line so i'm gonna also suspect it's the same ralph that you spoke about earlier good evening ralph Good evening, and good evening to your listeners, and good evening to Craig. And How's Kahisha, it, Ralph? actually. How's it, Craig? Go on. We're listening, Ralph. I've been listening. I think uh, Craig sabotaged me into calling in, but uh, he's <laughs> famous for that. <laughs> <laughs> what What are your impressions ever since you've known Craig? What 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 is it about him that truly stands out for you? No, look, I mean, I've, worked, I've known Craig, um, you know, now for maybe just over 15 years, and we worked together in the heyday of the Unitrust uh, industry when mm. uh, stock markets were booming and uh, and assets were growing very fast, and he was working for me when I, we were still both at Old Mutual. Mm. And I don't think we liked each other right at the beginning. I think we maybe there was a little bit of a resentment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Craig tends to be a very direct guy. You know, I kind of mixed directness with a bit of diplomacy but uh, we found each other and uh you know we become long life friends and uh, our families are friends and i'm a a big fan of what he and Kahisa have done because it's much needed in uh south african society black uh wealth management firms that are successful and at each milestone that they achieve i'm always you know i think i'm probably their biggest cheerleader quietly in the background <laughs> So what I like most about Craig is that he is a person of absolute integrity. 
Mm. Whatever Craig says, he actually means. Um, he's a a driven um, and and uh, I think probably one of the best examples I've seen of black excellence or excellence in general. But you know where we are in the country, we do need to see a lot more role modeling by black people. And he and Kahiso do this brilliantly. And I, you know, I just watch in awe what they do. And um, you know, Craig is also somebody who wants to, you know, leave a dent on the wall, a dent in society. When when he's done with his, you know, role in life, I think we'll all remember what he's done. He, he and Kahiso are just starting out. And, um, you know, we argue a lot with Craig. We don't always agree. So sometimes I discuss things and we're almost like we're going to fight. Mm. But I always leave um, wondering, um, you know, that why, you know, I feel better informed because I'm with him. And, um, you know, and he's he's passionate about making a difference in South Africa and um, a real difference. He really means it. He's not just saying it. And that I look at to as well. And um, and finally, he's, um, he's a real friend, and uh, Craig and Ilona and the kids are all family friends now. Mm. And it's, it's very rare that I'm I'm friends with people I worked with before. <laughs> and uh, so, but I know um, you know Gratitude Mahura is going to be one of the biggest successes in South African financial mm. services. So we're going to talk. We're going to be talking about them in ten years' time as the firm to to be with. Um, and I can say that without fear of contradiction. You know how that makes me feel, Craig. That I will then look back and say, I was one of the first to speak to them when nobody was celebrating them. When they're big, I'll say, I spoke to them a decade ago. And Rav did say, a decade later, they'll be the biggest thing in town. Mm. Uh, look, if I can add to that, you know, uh, Ralph, as I said to you, when I worked for Ralph, you know, that, that was one of, an early example of, of strong black leadership. Yeah. And, you know, as Ralph said, you know, I'm, I was a fairly difficult person to manage. Um, but one thing is, uh, I always knew that Ralph had my back, and so that's that's where I got the the respect. Yeah. For for me, as much as I was difficult to manage, I I, I always had that respect for Ralph, and so you know the fact that he's gone ahead of us and showed us what was possible. Um, we Kachisha myself are lucky to have had guys like him and. Uh, Tabot Loti and Derek Msibi and you know uh, um, Mr. Moloko I, mean, I keep forgetting his name Selo Moloko yeah. yeah, guys like that yeah. who, who who kind of blazed and we came next and yeah. now we, we are having to set the example for the guys that are coming behind yeah. us uh, so yeah thank you Ralph so Ralph thank you very much for the call Appreciate it. And thank evening. you for holding this hand to, to up to this point. Thank you so much, mate. Have a you good take evening. Care. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. So, I want us to go back to Asonge because yeah. I want to use it as a as a catalyst to the next part of this conversation. Let me read this about you. You're a certified financial planner, professional, and you're a member of the Financial Planning Institute of Southern Africa. You vice chairperson of the Investment Competency Committee of the Financial Planning Institute of South Africa. You serve as an independent expert on the investment subcommittee of Medshield. And I can read more. Why are black people still not investing? Yeah, um, it, it, it's there's no simple answer to that question. You know, I think the history of our country we 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 cannot ignore where we come from mm. you know so i i see you know i didn't learn about investing around the dinner table like a lot of my white counterparts yeah. or my international counterparts for that matter but i did learn how to budget because my mother had very little money and she needed to make it work and so she budgeted um and so I think because our parents did not have the opportunities, they they didn't they did not have money to invest, but but they taught us things like saving in in a group, so stock files, mm. so the principle of budgeting and saving, and and I think you know we we now at that place where um, we are seeing more and more black people now investing, yeah, and and. 
Cecil Nzalo and Putumanati and um, MTN Asonge, MTN Zakele, Zakele Futi, Yebu Yetu, all of these deals, they, they, they've been part of that. So, you know, Putumanati got 100,000 investors, Cecil Nzalo 300,000. Mm. And um, so, you know, and people are now seeing the rewards. Uh, hold on this. You know, today Cecil Nzalo declared the final dividend of 85 rand a share. Mm. After tax, it works out to about 73 rand. But if you put your money in at day one, you've got 4.6 times, 460% return. You know, you didn't get that. That's from nothing the, to laugh at. You didn't get that from the JSC. Yeah. So, so you know, so the, this this problem is, is going to be, you know, how do you eat an elephant? It's, it's one bite at a mm. time. So we're making progress. And I think um, what, excuse me, what we've done is we said there, there, there was nobody talking about broad-based BE public share offers. Yeah. So we said we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll write articles and we'll submit it and they got published and now, you know, people are talking about yes. it. Yes. Um, but also I think um, we need more black advisors, um, skilled black advisors, not insurance salespeople, mm. Mm. not, um, you know, uh, funeral policy salespeople. Yeah. We need people to give good advice and we need more and more black people because we 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 walked similar paths we've walked similar journeys yeah you know we come from similar neighborhoods we know what life is like we understand that you know most i would say black professionals are part of what's called the sandwich generation Mm. where you're supporting your parents and you're supporting your kids financially yes so when we do our plan, we we're not going to say to the guy, "Listen, yeah, your kids are and yourself are your priority," because we know, because we ourselves are in that sandwich generation. We ourselves are supporting parents and nieces and nephews and brothers and uncles and mm. aunties and you know the neighbor that looked after you when your mother went to work and you got home from school. We understand that. Yes. So we incorporate that into our planning. So the important thing is that people get that understanding. You know. Let me take another call. I, I still want to quiz more about... I, I still sit here and think even basic, basic financial planning mm. is not been done. You know, and, and maybe not even huge investments, not even in schemes, but just people taking care of tomorrow. Yes, that we're still not doing it well, and and I dare suspect that part of it is is the fact that yes, a lot of people who knock on my doors want me to buy a funeral cover. Sure, yeah, but we'll get back to that because there's a caller here. They call themselves an executive intern of mm. uh, uh, Credit Mahura Investments. Ish. Good evening. Good evening. Sir. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. Thank. Send my regards to Great also. I'm Lebohan <laughs> Koloti. Lebuhan Golopi. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so what, what what do you mean by executive intern? Uh, I was the first intern of Gradish Mahura oh. that I had last year. So okay. I, so you're you're you at the top of the of them all. You'll always be the, the number one. <laughs> yes, I'm the number one. <laughs> I had the uh, the privilege of working with the likes of Craig and Gahisha and the knowledge that guys they have for the industry is quite massive and we need such people on the industry also to educate no industry and oh. what kind of product to invest in because people are being given products which are not suited for their needs. Mm. So I just wanted to say thanks to Where, where are you now? What are you up to? I'm based in Pochestrong. I'm still an intern in LFM. Okay, okay. Yes. Uh, so you, you're the next big, big game. Yes, yes. <laughs> Great thank stuff. You. Thank you, mate. Thanks very much. Have a good evening. Thanks, Lebo. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Craig, mm. uh, and I don't want to diss other people. Sure. But but I'm I'm still bothered that at the basic, basic level, that yeah. a lot of people, a guy who's got a, a 27-year-old yes. uh, with, a, with a degree and maybe a little flat somewhere, if I ask them now that if you dropped dead now, mm. wh- what do you look like? What What's your situation like? Mm. And 
they probably have a funeral cover. Uh, sure. And that's about it. Yeah. Why are we still there? Yeah, as I said, I, I think it will take time for us to to get away from there. It's not a uniquely black thing. Mm. So it's kind of poor financial management is a global phenomenon. Um, I think our, our history kind of exacerbates our, our problem. Yeah. So that there's no generational handover of wealth. So we don't get this head start that many of our international counterparts get you mm. know grandma dies and you know all the grandkids are getting the million rand whatever that kind of thing yeah so so what the function of this current generation is is to build that foundation that the coming generations can then build on mm. so we got the dirty work you know when you put a building up you know you got to take a whole lot of dirt out of the ground to build a proper foundation yeah and that's just this generation's responsibility so that people can see, oh, okay, if, if that's what they did, you know, got their life cover, got their estate planning in order, all of that, started businesses and built real generational wealth. Yeah. And it's, it, it's as soon as we have more examples of people we can relate to, people that come from our areas, that went to the same school that we went to, that built incredible wealth, then we can say, oh, that's, it's possible. Mm. Uh, it wasn't possible when it was just Yanni Muton and, you know, these other people who, who went to different schools and lived in posh neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't relate to that. So I think we need more and more people to build businesses, to build wealth, to, to be responsible with their money so others can see. I want us to spend the last 10 minutes talking about actually having a live financial planning education session here. You know, they're just the basics. Some yeah. of the things that you, you want people to understand and to know and to do today, tomorrow, yes. when they wake up tomorrow after listening to us, yeah. I want you to give them basic tips yeah. so that, you know, at the very least, uh, that we can take care of the basics yes. before we even talk about the big stuff. I'll take a short break and we'll do that. Okay. So I personally don't mind if you go on call again. But I, I will mind if you don't listen to this part of the conversation because I, I thought we should end this on a very educational note. And, and Craig, I'm going to ask you really yeah. to share with our listeners some key lessons that we need to understand about financial planning. Yeah. And beyond the lessons, some few things, one or two things that we can do immediately, even if all we have after our expenses, uh, after mm. taking care of everything in our lives, we're still left yeah. with a hundred rand. What can we do practically with the little that we have? Yeah, so, so, so I think very importantly, before I give you the practical, I think it's important to have the right mindset. Yeah. So this is not something that you're going to solve in the next week. If you have a long-term mindset where you say, I want to achieve this financial independence over you know, the next 15, 20 years, mm -hmm. So when I look back at that point, I'll be financially independent. Uh, there was a study done in the U.S. in the in the 60s in, in middle America or kind of middle class America where this professor wanted to know what was the one thing that caused some people to be financially independent during their working lifespan. Or, and, you know, because you don't want to be financially independent when you're 80. Yeah. And, and what he found was that it was people who had a long-term mindset. So how do I explain a long-term mindset? You know, when you finish school, you can either take a job or you can go and get a skill or a qualification. So if you get a job, short-term mindset, you'll get paid by the end of the first month. But to get a skill, to get a job, all of the, I mean, to get a skill or a qualification or specialize, you, you'll only start earning in seven or eight years' time. But over the full lifespan of your career, you will earn more than double what somebody who doesn't have qualifications or skills will earn, even though they start earning before you. Yes. So that's, that's that mindset. So starting a business, it's a long-term mindset. You give up today's salary, you give up the perks, but you build something over time. Then from a practical perspective, um, a budget. 
budget is is incredibly powerful. It's mm. the it's the foundation of money management. If if you're not budgeting, you've got no clue. Okay, because your budget not only kind of directs your um what you call it uh, your your spending. It also gives you feedback because mm. you say I want to be financially secure. Is there savings or investments in your budget? Is there life cover in your budget? Is there disability, dread disease cover? Is that in your budget? What are you spending on? Is it clothes? Is it education? Is it assets? You know, you, your budget will tell you all of that. Mm. Um, so, so, and even the wealthy budget. It's not something that, you know, because you, you're not earning enough, you must budget. So your budget is a very powerful source of information. It's how you execute your plan. Yeah. And then, you know, this thing, it's called adulting. You know, you're taking out insurance. You know, life happens to to all of us. And in the event that life happens, uh, either death, disability, disease, retrenchment, whatever, the, your financial position is not affected by those setbacks. And you've got no control over that. Mm. Um, you know, you don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know how severe it's going to be. Um, but you can ensure against any of those things happening. And once that's taken care of and you structure your estate uh, properly, you know, you have a will so that if something does happen to you, um, in the worst case scenario, your assets go to the people that they should go to. Yes. It's not going to be the state who decides. And then if it's for kids, they're going to keep the money in the guardian's trust. And then hopefully your kids get that money when they turn 18. So very important to do all of that. And then you can start turning your attention to to building wealth, to creating an investment portfolio, a retirement portfolio. Mm. Um, and, you know, that, that, that's where the planning start coming in. And, you know, then we start looking at refining it and saving you on tax. That, you know, you, you're not investing and you're losing too much to tax or to costs and that, you know, you have a portfolio that's appropriately structured, that you've got these broad-based B shares included in there. You, um, you know, you've got different types of assets in your portfolio mm -hmm. that ultimately you build up a balance sheet, which is robust. Yeah. That when you have a recession like we're having now, a recession presents opportunities. Because properties, 96% of people who are selling their properties are accepting a lower price than what they put it on the market mm. for. That means it's a buyer's market. So when things are tough, it's only tough for those who did not plan. It's actually a very good time. So the last time I bought a house was in a, in a, in a recession, and I paid a lot less than everybody in the street paid. You know? Um, and, and that's how you make money over time. Mm. You know, you, you, you build your, your wealth. So you, you got to develop the right habits. And the budgeting is, is the first one. Yeah, so if I get money, I, I can't do anything until I put a budget in place. Yeah. F for if it's X, you know, if it's non-salary money, I've got to put a budget. So, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Pay a bit and you've got to stick to that budget. Yeah, you've got to stick to the budget. There's no point having it. Then you're lying to yourself. You know, it's one thing to lie to somebody else, an entirely different thing to lie to yourself. Um, and, and so that's where our budget uh, comes in, is that it's a very powerful tool that uh, underrated. And anybody can do that. Everybody can do it. You have a piece of paper and a pen or Excel spreadsheet. This is what I earn. This is what I'm spending on, on. And then look at what you're spending it on critically. You know, there's three principles which govern the budget of the country. So the one is... Um, a counter-cyclical fiscal stance. That's the terminology. Yeah. Basically, in good times we spend, in bad times... Sorry, in bad times we spend, in good times we save. So, you know, that's that's a principle. Um, the other one is, is, is debt management. And, we will, you know, having a kind of sustainable level of debt as a country. <laughs> and the other one is intergenerational equity. And what that means is that what I do as an individual or what we do as a country should not impact the next generation negatively. So if I'm misspending my money now, I'm going to rely on my kids when I'm in retirement. Mm. So my spending is creating problems, yeah. financial problems yeah. for my kids. You're keeping them in the sandwich. Exactly. 
So, so that's that's the thing. So, same principles that uh, are applied as, at a country level, we can apply at a personal level. Um, so, so, so look at your budget critically. What is what am I spending it on? Uh, is it consumption? Is it uh, investment? Where where's my money going? Is the insurance? Is the education? All of these things. Your budget will tell you that. And and ultimately, over time, it will tell you if you're going to achieve your objectives. But if you've got that long-term mindset to start off with, you make very different decisions to people who have a short-term mindset, who want everything now. You want it quick, quick, quick wins. So those people invest with Triple M. Certainly, a lot of them are listening to us now. And I think that's <laughs> the best point to leave it at, Craig. Yeah. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Thank you. I know that uh, a lot of people will be searching for for GM. I they'll want to know what what more you do, what they can learn from you. What's your website address? Yes, our web uh, uh, address is gminvestments.co.za, mm-hmm. and we based out in Maldives Arch. Hmm. Uh, have an office in Durban. Uh, we're looking for offices in Cape Town. We've employed somebody there now, so we're down in Cape Town, and yeah. Um, we we still South Africa's only black-owned professional practice, uh, as rated by the Financial Planning Institute. And this year we were um, no, what's this thing? We won the award for top wealth manager of the year for 2018. Uh, top wealth manager for single premium investors. Top wealth manager in the country for young professionals for dealing with young professionals. And People's Choice as top wealth manager for the second year in a row. So not only are we black, but uh, we're excellent as well. And Craig's only sporting achievement is almost <laughs> defeating the reigning South African Scrabble champion in 1993. So this man always wins. <laughs> Craig Gredich, wonderful having you here. It has been a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you, Rams. He's been our guest on Meet the Boss. This conversation is on podcast soon. From me, Rams Mabote, good night and God bless.